Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to episode four of the Triple F Podcast. It's another great week, and speaking of great weeks, what a week the Triple F Podcast crew has had. It started off with a big event with one of our very own, Brent Rohrbach, the man himself, getting engaged this weekend. Congratulations, Brent! (laughs) Brent, tell us about your lovely fiancé. Well, thank you very much, Slade. Uh, very stoked. So, yeah, I asked Bethany Roden to marry me this weekend. Um, it's a very good weekend, very special for us. Uh, so Bethany's from Pampa, Texas, and she's currently finishing out her senior year at Texas Tech. Um, so we're fired up. You know, we were um, we're starting to hit the ground running, you know, with all the wedding planning. And we were actually on the phone uh, right before this, and we we're trying to kind of get a date set and a venue placed and And I don't think she was very happy when I said, hey, I'm sorry, I got to go. It's time for the podcast. Um, But that's just the way it is. Uh, I have a a rule of mine. It's you can call in sick to work, but you can't call in sick to the boys. So here we are. (laughs) Absolutely right. No offense, Bethany, but Triple F comes first. I mean, this crew was forged in fire from day one. We are a legendary crew that lives by their commitment. And speaking of commitments, the Vega Farm Boys are nothing but committed to their work. And being so, Eric has gone through and looked at the different soil types. He's given us the statistics. He needs the information for his farming, but he feels like the Triple F listeners need this information. So with that being said, Eric, take it away. Well, I appreciate it, Slade. So we've talked a lot in the past about our rainfall and here, right in our area, we talked about averaging about 18 inches of rainfall a year. This last weekend, we actually, right at our barn, we had four tenths of rain. And uh, some people think that's a really funny way to measure in tenths and hundredths of an inch. I know when Catherine first moved here, she said, hey, did we get any rain on the farm this weekend? And I said, yeah, we had, we had 15 hundredths. She said, what? I said, yeah, 15 hundredths of an inch. She's like, like 0.15. I said, yeah. She was like, you guys really measure in hundredths or tenths? You know, she just she didn't get it, but what she didn't realize is that a little bit of rain around here can go a really long ways. And uh, the reason for that is, is because of our good soil we have here. So in the majority of the area around us is a clay loam soil that, that holds moisture really well. It's also a very fertile soil. So really, you can put that soil up against anything. It's, it's about as good as it comes for growing crops. So we've always said, you know, we don't need a lot of rain. We just need some. And that's true. So the four tents that we got this last weekend, you know, that moisture will stay and stick around for a while and it'll really push this weed even further. It'll push those roots on the wheat deeper and, uh, and it'll, it'll, you know, the fields will be wet for a few days. So um, it was just very funny to hear Captain's reaction and a lot of people's reaction when, you know, they average 40 inches of rain a year, 60 inches of rain down South or in the Midwest. And, and you know, we average 18, but we can still grow these great crops. So I uh, just wanted to give people a little insight into that. And um, I just, I find that to be kind of funny the way we measure rainfall here. It definitely is interesting. You probably never see a place as desperate and as wanting for water as we are. Um, but you're also never going to see a community as loving and connected as we are. And with that loving and connected community, we have a loving and dominant t- Vega football team right now. The Vega football team came out and kicked the crap out of the Groover Greyhounds last week. It was a great game. I got to watch it. The defense played phenomenal. Shout out to Reese Robbins for one of the best picks I've seen at the high school level. Shout out to you, Reese. Um, We also had the pleasure this week, Triple F got to interview head coach Jason Porton, one of the guys who has been doing it at a high level for so long, and we were so honored to have Coach Porton come in and sit down with us. Obviously, all five of us now have gone and gone through his program and are better off because of it. Not only were we better athletes, but we're better men. So we're proud to have that interview under our belt and get to sit down with such a guy. But like we do every week, Dane Borman came in with some insider uh, insider footage and some insider information. Dane, what's the spread going into this week against uh, the Booker Kiowas? Yeah, so I uh, talked to a few of my insiders, and uh, I was kind of getting some mixed feelings. You know, I feel like a lot of a lot of people around here think that we're gonna 
beat them pretty good, 15 plus or so. But uh, one thing that you got to consider, and one thing that Coach Porton talked about in our interview, was that uh, two and a half hour drive. And uh, that's a big factor, especially in the first half. You hope that you aren't sluggish, but I mean, if you are, no one's going to be surprised by it. So uh, what I came up with with talking to a few of my insiders is a 13 and a half point spread. And, and with that, I mean, I could see Vega coming out a little slow just because of that drive, but I'm taking Vega all day with that spread. I agree. I'm taking Vega with that spread too, but I will go ahead and contribute to that. It is a tough, like difficult ride, not only on your body, but on your mind and on your energy. Driving that far, sitting in a bus for so long, the coaches were good whenever I played, getting us out halfway through, getting us walking around, getting those legs pumping just a little bit. But it doesn't matter what you do. That's a hard drive to make. Eric and Chad, they know it all too well. They went through it as well. But I'm very confident in our Vega Longhorns. And one thing I'm confident about is this past week was probably one of the best weekends of football we've seen in a while, not only at the college level, but at the NFL level. From the college level, we saw four of the top 10 teams lose this week. I mean, what a week for upsets and what a week for college football. Eric, how do you feel like four teams out of the top 10 losing? How does this change the overall college football playoff landscape? Oh, it changes everything. I mean, that... That Tennessee-Alabama game, that was as fun to watch as any game I can remember in a long time. And that was the game of the year. And if we have anything even close to it for the rest of the year, we're I mean, how lucky are we? It, that was must-watch TV. Uh, Shout-out to Mason Cook. We were actually at a gender reveal at the FUB at Richardson Seeds, watching it on the big screen. And uh, we just couldn't take our eyes off of it. It was just it was unbelievable. Um, I had a little bit of, a, of an interesting take for you guys on the college football playoffs. So let me let me set the scene a little bit here. I think that there's a real chance for three SEC teams to make the college football playoff this year. So one, I want to tell you all this, I think it's going to drive you crazy. Two, I think it's very realistic it can happen. So here's what I think can happen. In the Big 12, TCU is going to lose a game. I don't think they're a dominant team, and I think they will lose before it's all said and done. So I think every Big 12 team will have a loss. I think the championship will beat. You know, the champion will be in there in the running, but I don't think that they'll make it. I'm assuming that the Pac-12, UCLA and Oregon are the only two undefeated left. They're going to play this weekend. So one will have a loss. Um, the other one, they still got a, all their tough games are ahead of them. They all still have to play each other. All those teams at the top, the USC, the Utah, Oregon, UCLA. So what I feel like the champion will have at least one loss in the Pac-12. Um, in the Big Ten, what I'm assuming is that Michigan and Ohio State will be undefeated going into the last week of the season. The winner of that will go play in the Big Ten championship and then win the Big Ten championship game and go make it to the playoff. So I think Michigan or Ohio State gets in. In the ACC, Clemson still has a lot of tough games. That's really the only team that has a chance to get in. But they got to play Syracuse this week, Notre Dame, Miami, and South Carolina. They've got great shots to win those games. Then after that, they'd have to play the ACC championship. But, you know, this isn't a dominant Clemson team that we saw with Trevor Lawrence or that we saw with Deshaun Watson. I think that there's a real chance that they lose one of those games. So in the SEC, the way I see it playing out, I think Georgia beats Tennessee. They play November 5th. I, I assume game day is going to go to Georgia. It's going to be a crazy atmosphere. I think Georgia gets the win. I don't think Tennessee can beat Bama and Georgia in a span of three to four weeks. Uh, so Georgia wins that game. Georgia and Bama play in the SEC championship. If Bama wins out, Bama beats Georgia for the SEC championship. And then, then we're looking at Tennessee, Georgia, and Bama all with one loss. Bama being the SEC champion, but Tennessee having a head-to-head -head outright win. So I think there's a real scenario there where those three teams plus a Michigan and Ohio State team could get in. I know that's going to rile you guys up. I'd love, I'd love to hear some feedback. That is probably exactly what you want is three SEC teams in there. Am I right? Just to make you guys mad. Yeah. Well, I don't think it's because it's to make us mad. I think it's because for some reason you think that that makes A&M look better somehow. Because you, you freak, you know, I was not going to get pissed off about this. But Eric fucking pissed me off. And so I'm just going to, I'm going to get on it and then I'm going to kick it off. Okay. So these freaking Aggies, they say every damn year, they're like, oh, we want two or three SEC teams in there because it makes us look good. It does not make you look good. You should know what you're going into when you switch over to the SEC. You're laughing at me, but you know I'm right. You should not root for your competition. That is horseshit. That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. 
I understand that there's a realistic chance of three teams getting in there, but the fact that y'all are rooting for that just really pisses me off. I actually went back and looked today. Since the college playoffs started, do y'all want to take a guess on what the SEC bowl record percentage is, their winning percentage? 59%. Do you think that warrants the SEC having three playoff teams? Or does the bowl record even matter? Okay, well, I have something to say about that. I really get heated about the whole the conference record for bowl games each year. I, I It really upsets me when people try to say that the Big 12 will have a better record in bowl season than the SEC, and all of a sudden they think they're the better conference. Guys, I hate this. I mean, I've a, it really bothers me. Bowls, bowl season doesn't count if you're not in the playoff, okay? Oh I want to say something. Listen, listen, just hear me out here. When, when, when bowl season comes around, every player that is about to go play in the NFL draft, if they're not in the college football playoff, probably about 65% of them don't play in the bowl games, okay? Not only that, um, you're always you're always having coaches uh, coaching changes. Um, and then there's usually always one team that is extremely thrilled to be there. This is the highlight of their season. They made this big bowl. And really, I'm talking about New Year's Six Bowls when I'm talking about this. There's always one team that is so thrilled to be there. They made it to a New Year's Six Bowl. It's awesome. And then there's usually the teams that got jipped out of the playoffs. They don't give a crap to be there. They don't want to be there. So why is it? Why would they want to play that game? So I just want to say one game that really comes to mind, because this is when everything kind of seemed like it started sparking a bunch of debate, was that 2009, uh, 2019 Sugar Bowl where Texas beat Georgia. So it was that game where Sam Ellinger, he had that cringy little, like, we're back. Like, it was terrible. And <laughs> – I just want to tell you this. Georgia was ranked fifth, so they were the first team out of that playoff. And Texas went nine and four. They were trying to get their first 10-win season since 2009. Georgia literally had almost – they had seven starters on offense and seven starters on defense come back to play that bowl game. The rest left for the draft. So how does that – so Texas is so fired up they win this game. Oh, the Big 12 is better than the SEC. How can you say that when half the team doesn't even show up to play in that bowl game? They don't care about it. So I hate when, when people talk about bowl records. It really it just irritates me. But how can you how could they not show up when the SEC just means more? I mean the SEC means more. Why would they not show up to play for the SEC and represent the SEC? It's a crock of shit. Like, they're too busy producing NFL talent. All the SEC players are going to the draft. Brent, shut the hell up. You're you're pissing me off, Brent. So you're you're telling me that bowls do not matter unless you're in the playoff. So are you are you, are you saying that every single A and M you know season the past however many freaking season there is is a loss because they have never made the playoffs? Is that what you're saying? Because if that's not what you're saying, then you're contradicting yourself. I'm saying that since we went to a four team playoff, it has made the rest of the bowl games irrelevant. Well, since and, we yeah. changed, we went to the playoff format. It has made everything else around. I do agree, and Brent did have a good point about players sitting out because that's kind of a newer thing, and I also think that that's chicken shit. I mean, it's easy for me to say here watching, saying, why don't you go play for the, the team you're committed to? I mean, I, I get that, and I also get one to go make millions of dollars not want to risk getting hurt. Like, I get that. But you guys just piss me off. Like, y'all, y'all saying that the balls don't matter, and, like, the Texas game, it meant way more to them and so they have every right to talk shit on Georgia after that game because Georgia didn't show up. Well, I think one thing that's going to fix this is I think we're supposed to be at a 12-team playoff by 2026. So that's going to change everything because then now, you know, think about right now when you take the top 25. There'd be, you know, every single team in the top 25 would still be fighting for a playoff spot where you could basically sit there right now and we could take eight teams and we could pick eight teams. We know that, you know, four out of those eight are going to make the playoff. But right now we know that there's a, you know, if, if we go to the 12 team playoff, all 25 are still in the race. Probably the top 30 teams are still in the race. And I, I think that's why you have to take it. You have to bring out the playoff because I will agree it has devalued the bowl games. But to say that, SEC is so much better and that it means more and that, that there's all this talent. I think that's unfair because 
like y'all said, y'all are defending the SEC, so I get to defend the Big 12. So the Big 12, obviously, probably the top tier and the topper, upper echelons of the teams, it's probably not as elite as the others. But I think we are overall a more rounded conference right now than the SEC because the SEC does have a good upper-level talent. I'm not going to lie. They have a great set of talent up at the top. But the gutter is so much lower. I mean, the it's we have I, – I guess I shouldn't have said an overall better conference. We have a more competitive conference. So we're going to come out beating each other up. Does that not – do you not appreciate that at all? I think you – I here's what I think. I think the Big 12 is finally experiencing this year a year where – I mean, first of all, this is only happening right now. The The Big 12 is only competitive right now because Texas and OU are not doing as hot this year. They usually run the conference. It's usually not even a competition. But then I think y'all are all finally starting to beat each other out and get a little taste of what it's like being in the SEC when, when each team kind of beats each other out and makes them have one or two or three losses each season. And it just it's, – it's hard to – I agree right now. The Big 12 is fun to watch. They're competitive right now. And each team is doing really well and they're fun. But it just goes to show this is every year in the SEC. I mean, usually – have 18 you know, teams in that conference. You can't be saying that. Y'all have so many more teams. There, Of course it's more competitive. Y'all have more teams to compete against. Y'all have two damn, two damn sides of it. Are there 12 teams in the Big 12? There's, there's 10. Why do you even call it the Big 12? <laughs> Yeah, they're in the SEC. <laughs> There's seven. 14. 14. Yeah, Fixing cool. to be 16. They have Hill's numbers down there. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I have no idea, Slade. I have no idea if three SEC teams make it in the playoff. But that little pitch right off the bat did exactly what I wanted it to do. And it got us riled up, and it got us rolling, Slade. Well, cheers to that, and cheers to the SEC, where it just means more. And you know what? <laughs> Can we please talk about the Jets now? I'm so fired up. I need to talk about something. Right. We can talk about. Who do you want to win? The goddamn Jets. We're talking about the gosh damn Jets because they're a team that just means more to us right now, and they damn sure mean more to anybody else than Dane Borman. So, Dane, they had a huge win. 27 to 10 over the Packers. Does this game say more about your Jets? and their ability to come out and be the new Jets, the gosh damn Jets? Or does it say more about the Packers and their struggles this season? Well, I think, you know, last week I was kind of more of like thinking the Jets have kind of been getting lucky and getting by. And this week I've kind of changed my thoughts a little bit. And I don't know if y'all saw, but uh, after the game and the press conference, Aaron Rodgers, he might have been on drugs. There's no telling with that guy. But he went up and he said, this is not the same old Jets. Like, these Jets are different. It's a different style. It's a new team. And uh, I, I just want everybody to go and go on social media, go on Twitter or Facebook, and look up the Jets defense. Look up Sauce Gardner and Quentin Williams and just look at what they're doing. Sauce Gardner, like, what he is doing coverage-wise is just incredible. He is so good, and I think it's creating a new brand with the new head coach, Robert Sala, and I think that they're just rebranding everything. They're a young team. They're fun, and they're just they, – they could – this season they could be the Cinderella story. I'm not saying that they're going to go make the Super Bowl, but, you know, if they make the playoffs this year, not one person predicted that, and that would just be incredible. The Jets are playing so hard. They are kind of like – like they're almost like the Bengals of last year where you're saying, you know, they are kind of like that surprise team that's coming out of nowhere. Both New York teams are playing so hard. I mean, who would have picked the Giants to be 5-1 and one or whatever they are right now either? I mean, both New York teams playing hard. The Jets were finally on TV where we could watch them. Mm. And they got young talent everywhere. They are a fun team to watch. Oh, absolutely. They are probably one of the more entertaining young teams to watch. You love to see every team, every fan loves to see their guys coming out of the draft. And like Dane said, you couldn't be more proud of guys like Sauce Gardner and guys like Zach Milson starting to put it together. They're really guys that are starting to put on a show. And speaking of putting on a show, we got to talk about one of the best games of the week, probably one of the best games we'll see all year, one of the most even matchups. It was the Chiefs and the Bills. 
Now, we all know that this game, we talked about it last week. It was real built up. It was going up, going up, going up, and the Bills had so much riding on this emotionally from last year with a 13-second comeback from the Kansas City Chiefs. And with that memory still in our heads, they couldn't quit talking about it on the broadcast. Chad, when you were watching that game, was there any doubt when the Chiefs got it back with a minute left? Were you just sitting there going, oh, the Chiefs automatically are going to go down and score? No, Slade. I had so much confidence. So I don't gamble because gambling's illegal, and I don't want to go to jail. <laughs> but I happened to notice that the odds, as soon as the Chiefs got the ball back, what was there, 53 seconds, give or take? I saw the yeah. odds for the Chiefs to win was at plus 230. If I had money and if I was a gambling man, I would have put 25 bucks on it, and I would have lost. But, I mean, I feel like we were on the right side of that bet. I yeah. don't know what you think. Well. What did you think was going to go down in that scenario? Well, I'm really glad that you're not a betting man and that you didn't have to lose any money on that bet. But I was with all of you. I thought once the Chiefs got it back, I thought that game came down to whoever got the ball last. And how about I had to throw in a little uh, two cents to Tony Romo. He guessed the score on point to start the game. I was watching it. And he said, this is about to be a 24-20 game. A lot of people don't understand. They're going to take up some time. What a freaking dog. Dane, speaking of dogs, what you got? <laughs> so uh, what what I'm thinking on this is it feels like the the Bills got their revenge. You know, they, they finally got them back. And uh, even though last year, like in the playoffs, it meant more to the Chiefs and it meant more at the time. But it seems like the Bills got their revenge, and that's all anybody's talking about. So whenever they meet in the playoffs, is it now the Chiefs going to get revenge? Or is it the Bills sitting there thinking like, oh, we're better than them. We just beat them. And like, what, what do y'all think is going to happen? Because it, it seems like there's a 60% chance that they're going to meet up in the playoffs. Last week, Dane, you had, or Slade, you had us pick this game. And I said, I think the Bills win this one and then the Chiefs win when it matters. I don't know why I think this, but I think I just, in my mind, I had it that whoever wins this regular season game is going to lose the one that really matters in the playoffs. I don't know why. I think that, but I think that's how it's going to turn out, and I guess we'll just see if they if they end up playing each other. Eric? Yeah, no, I I, I think that it's it's always goes like momentum swings, right? So, like, I think that the Bills had the edge coming into this one. Kind of agree with Dane that the Chiefs will kind of have a, a little bit of an edge the next time they play. This is a preview of the AFC Championship. I think that we can all agree. And, uh, and I think – it, a huge part that's going to matter is where this game is going to be played. Who's going to get that home field advantage? I mean, it makes a huge difference the rest of the way. I think that the Chiefs have a tougher – I think their division is tougher. So I think their remaining schedule – they got to play the 49ers this week coming off a bad loss. They're going to be hungry. I, I think the Chiefs' schedule is tougher than the Bills. But I think that that home field advantage is going to, is going to be a huge factor. So are we – like going to automatically assume as of now that it is one of those two teams going to the Super Bowl? Like, is that just kind of a given? Or does it feel like there's, you know, Chad's a big Chargers fan. I mean, they, the Chargers could be a sleeper. No, they're not. <laughs> I promise you they're not. <laughs> they're they're going to disappoint me again. I yeah. promise that. I, I just – I can't make up my mind if it feels like they're the only two in that division that have a real shot of going to the Super Bowl and being competitive. I think we could see a Bengals – situation like last year where they get hot at the right time not the Bengals necessarily but just one of these AFC teams like say the Ravens get hot at the right time say the Jets get hot at the right time (laughs) but but I think that these two quarterbacks have completely separated themselves from everybody else and when you're going to play one game in the playoffs one game I there's nobody in the AFC or there's nobody in the NFL that I'm taking over uh, Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen in a one game deal so so I I would say my money would be on one of those two teams making it. So I definitely think we can all agree that this is destined to be the next great quarterback dynasty rivalry. You know, the last great one we saw was Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. And both of them, obviously, first ballot, Hall of Famers. We know who Dane's pick is for the better of all time. But we we can feel which way we want to about their talent But we all know that Tom Brady came out on the winning side of the success story. And a lot of stuff goes into that. A lot of, you know, who they're playing with, who their head coach is. Dane, 
You watched Peyton and Tom Brady go up against each other for years. Who do you feel like your gut reaction right now, who out of Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes is going to come out on top of this rivalry? So in my opinion, I think that uh, I think that Patrick Mahomes will win more games in total, and I think he'll win more Super Bowls because I, I think Andy Reid is one of the greatest coaches of all time. I think he is just a genius. And uh, Josh Allen, he I would say – He's more talented than Patrick Mahomes just as an individual. But with his head coach being a more defensive-minded coach, I think that they, you know, will find more flat ground where they, they can't decide which way they're going to go, you know, as far as leaning more offense or defense. And I, I think that Mahomes will end up winning more. So I don't really know if you say that Mahomes is the Brady in that situation and Josh Allen is – is uh, Peyton Manning, but because uh, honestly, if you compare two to two, the athleticism in there is just freaking ridiculously different. But I, I would say that Mahomes is going to win more in the long run, but Josh Allen, Allen is more talented and, and can do more. Does it kind of feel like, I don't know how y'all see it, but do you think Josh Allen's body just breaks down quicker than Patrick Mahomes? It could, but... I mean, you, you look at how big that dude is. It doesn't seem like anybody is going to be able to break that dude down because he is so big. You kind of want him to take a few less shots in, like, week two of an NFL season. Yeah. You know, like, you kind of, like, maybe run a little bit less with Josh Allen in week two. You know, save it for the playoffs. If you got to do what you got to do when it comes down to it. So you could – you can see it if, if he continues to run like but you can't take that dog out of him. As Porton would say, you cannot remove the dog. He is a dog. Well, you, you, can't, you can't take the dog out of him, but you can put a little bit more stability into him because if you watch him at the beginning of his career to now, Jordan Palmer brought this up on the Colin Cowherd show uh, not too long ago, and it was a really great point. He is doing, Josh Allen is doing a much better job now of not taking the unnecessary hits. Now, he still likes to inflict his damage whenever he's in the run game, running full speed ahead. He likes to lower his shoulders, show everybody that the dog is still in him. But whenever he's rolling out and he's getting some pressure into his face, he's so much better at just taking the loss of down and throwing the ball away now than he was in the beginning of his career. You know, whenever you have that kind of talent and that kind of body, you believe that you can do anything. And I think he's starting to have a little bit of humility in himself to where now he knows that he doesn't always have to take every hit. And he's not going to be able to withstand every hit for the rest of his career. Speaking of a guy withstanding hits through his career, Eric? No, you're good? Okay, Eric just had something to go up, but it's all right. No big deal. We keep rolling. And speaking of rolling, the Cowboys, they were rolling going into this week. And then they hit the block of the Eagles. Now, I don't mean to do my own horn, but Brent definitely had lack of faith in me with my take on the Cowboys-Eagles game, but I was right. I hate, to, I hate to toot my own horn. I don't want to do it, but I'm going to do it. With this game coming in, Cooper Rush, a bit of a rough week. We're, we knew it was coming at some point, and it just happened to happen against the undefeated team in the NFL. Dane, as a Jets fan, former Cowboys fan, even though you won't admit it, does this change the way we see Dak coming back? Is this better for Dak because now he kind of comes in without that prejudice of Cooper Rush doing so well? I never give my two cents about the Cowboys because I could care less, but this could not be a better situation for Dak to come back into. I mean, it was looking like, you know, Brent said it in a, a few episodes ago that as soon as he comes back in, that first interception he throws, they're going to start chanting for Cooper Rush. And this just completely changes everything in his favor. And so Dak, I mean, he still has a lot to lose and a ton to gain, but I, I feel like that floor dropped down a little bit now, you know, to where he's he's got a little more flexibility in the way he plays. Yeah. For one, I don't know why you came at me that hard so late, but <laughs> fair enough. Uh, so – I agree. I mean, I think this week was the week where all Cowboys fans came back down to earth just a little bit. Um, but I don't necessarily think it was a bad thing. I think that the way this game played out, 
everyone could see that it's time for Dak to come back. I, th- I think we could all agree on that. If there's not going to be a quarterback debate. I think that that's a good thing. The less drama, the better. But I'm still excited about where they're going this season. They get another chance to play the Eagles, and I the Eagles are freaking good. They're good. But the Cowboys had some bright spots in that game. They would drive down the field the whole way and get down there. I mean, it could be – I mean, I'm just excited to watch that second matchup between them when we have Dak back. Um, obviously I hope that Dak starts, you know, he comes out and he's sharp and he's playing well, but, um, you're right. I mean, this was probably a good thing for Dak. It definitely was. And really just a good thing for the Cowboys in general, though. Um, we should just be very thankful. We had this little run with Cooper Rush. It was awesome. I think it did him a big favor in life. Like you kind of pointed out maybe last week or two weeks ago, um, proved that he can be a starting quarterback in the NFL, but, Overall, I think it was a win-win situation, and uh, I just hope that the Cowboys get rolling back with Dak. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. So when we were pulling out of Dallas on opening week after going to that game, we told that story in, in episode uh, episode one. Dak just broke his thumb. The Bucks just thumped us. It looked awful for the Cowboys. I mean, it, it literally looked like it was season overboard. It was kind of like tanking. I mean, it looked like last in the NFC East. It looked like things were going really, really, really bad. So if you would have told me at that moment that we were going to win four out of our next five games, we're going to be four and two going into week seven. I mean, I would have never, ever believed you ever. I mean, it just, I just can't believe that we're sitting here like we are. And I just, you got to be thrilled with it. The way that Cooper came in, did his job. You know, no, we never said on here that he was going to be the guy. We, we knew his Dak's job because the contract. We knew he was coming back in. It worked out so perfect. Doesn't matter where the loss was. He did play bad in this game, but I mean, he went four and one as a starter. I mean, you take that all day long when you were leaving Dallas that first week when we were just like the season's over, and then now you're sitting where we're sitting with a real chance to compete for a wild card spot. If not, come back on the Eagles for uh, maybe a division title. But but we're right in the thick of it. So now, like, kind of the big question that <clears throat> seems to be is, do you think the Dallas coaching staff has learned from what they got accomplished with Cooper Rush? Do you think that they, you know, back off the pressure that they put on Dak, you know, in last year, in normal games, week one, do you think that they back off what they did and try and, you know, simplify things a little more? Or do you think they go straight back into it? And then based off that answer – then what happens with Mike McCarthy's job? Well, I think you just do what we've been trying to do all season. Just stick to the run game. Let's just keep it simple. Let's commit to the running game first. And, I mean, I hope they don't try to put all this crazy pressure on Dak. Let's just keep it simple like we did with Cooper Rush. It was working. And Kellen Moore could potentially get himself a head coaching job based on where he goes from here. I mean, if he continues to call, you know, call plays and get our offense rolling from here moving out, he could get himself a head coaching job, I think. So if he if he does a great job from here on out, does Jerry have the balls to say, this guy is our dude for the future, even though Mike McCarthy went, let's say, 11-win season, does he have the balls to swallow his pride and say, we're going to get rid of this guy and go to Kellen Moore because he had such a good season? Well, we, we know for a fact that Jerry isn't afraid to fire a you know well-respected head coach. He may not be well-respected, same guy, Mike McCarthy, that we're talking about, but he fired Tom Landry. This is the same guy. I mean, he, he put himself in the blaster with that fire and that head, head coaching new position, but it worked out pretty damn well for him. Chad, what do you got for us? I mean, good news for Mike McCarthy and his job is the next two weeks they get the Lions and the Bears – I mean, I know the Lions like to come for people's kneecaps, but if they make it out of that one alive and play Chicago, then they'll get a reeling Packers team. Those are not scary games the next three weeks. So they got that going for them. Oh, absolutely. I I think the Cowboys are in a really great spot right now. Dak could not be coming into a better position. I'm glad with the time frame that they waited for him to let him come back against the Lions rather than the Eagles. But one of my favorite parts about watching that Eagles game was – the animosity between the Eagles and the Cowboys. 
We saw one little skirmish with Jason Kelsey in the defense of the Cowboys. They were kind of going at it, gotten a little pushing match. And then we see Nick Sirianni, the new head coach of the Eagles, who's having a great year. He's jawing towards the sideline. He's cussing. He's walking out saying, how about them Eagles? Chad, Eric, as Cowboys fans, whenever y'all are watching that, does that just fuel y'all's hatred for, oh, wait, Chad just said that he was a Chargers fan. My bad. Brent, Eric, as Cowboys fans, does that just fuel your hatred for the Eagles? Well, you just feel Chad's hatred for you because he hates the Cowboys. Right? <laughs> he has been a Chargers fan since we were little kids. I'm with you, Chad. I'm with you. Uh, yeah, no, I we hate the Eagles. And you know what I was just thinking when you were saying that was, you know, Sirianni kind of looks like the guy. Like he kind of seems like a great coach. And I really don't like saying that as a Cowboys fan because I feel like the Giants got their coach and I feel like the Eagles got their coach. I really, I really don't like that from where we're sitting because I don't feel like we have our coach. Yeah, I agree with you, Eric. I think that um, it's always fun playing your rivals. I mean, there's nothing wrong about that. But one thing that I, I was excited to see is um, – it's just it was like that i mean just really the atmosphere in philly there that week that was fun to watch it was just a fun game to watch um that was just really it <laughs> chad since i since i messed up the last question to you i want to send you another question because i think it is a good one with the nfl rivalries coming off of games like the cowboys the eagles do you feel like nfl rivalries can ever compare to the legendary college football rivalries until I see an NFL goalpost taken down and thrown in the river in Tennessee, I'll say no. But it is possible, I guess. I don't when it comes to rivalries, I guess Philly and Dallas is up there. Buffalo and Tables is up there. The big one I like that I can just remember as a kid up till now, loving to see. It's a December evening. It's snowing, and you get to watch Baltimore and Pittsburgh beat the shit out of each other. So – to me, that was my favorite rivalry of all time. There's a few that can come close, but as far as college rivalries, college is always way more fun. Absolutely. I think you're exactly right. That The best rivalry I can think of in the NFL would probably be the Bengals and Steelers, solely because of what Vontez Perfect did back in the day and the way the Steelers reacted to it. And that's the only one I can think of that's just seems like they're always at each other's throats. But like you said, I mean, you just you can't be any kind of college – college rivalry and i mean it's just it's college football compared to the nfl is apparently like the sec i mean it just means more (laughs) (laughs) speaking speaking of meaning more triple f listeners we got a really fun segment coming up for you guys and while we're on the subject of meeting more we have a few quarterback controversies and we're going to go through and we're going to decide which quarterback means more right now So we're not going off of history. We're not going off of legacy. We're talking about which quarterback here means more. Which quarterback do you want right now and going ahead in the future? So, Brent, are you ready to take this segment away? We're about to go. All right, ready? Here we go. Trevor Lawrence or Zach Wilson? Zach Wilson. Trevor Lawrence. I hate to say it, but I'll take Trevor Lawrence. I'm going Zach Wilson. Oh, it's Zach Wilson all day right now. I think Trevor Lawrence still has probably more of the upside, but I think the level that Zach Wilson's playing at right now, I think you're going to go ahead and take Zach Wilson personally. All right, next, Tua or Dak? Dak. Uh, Tua is not is not okay uh, mentally with a <laughs> <laughs> Slade, what are you doing, man? These questions were a decision by committee, and I, I don't think, think it's that far off. Tua and Dak, really, I don't think it's that far off. Going ahead in the future, it wasn't two weeks ago. I mean, Slade, you just, this is supposed to be a rapid fire segment, man. This is awesome. Sorry, Sorry. Eric. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, Dak. I think that answers that one. I, I'll also take <laughs> that. Dak. 
Dak Prescott or Kyler Murray? Dak. Yeah, definitely. Definitely Dak. I, uh, I, yeah, I guess I'll take Dak because he's tall. I'll go Kyler Murray. You're wrong, Chad. Kyler Murray sucks ass. All right, Kyler Murray or Jalen Hurts? Oh, Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts. Yeah, Jalen Hurts. Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers? <laughs> Tom Brady. Maybe 12. Uh, you take Aaron Rodgers all day. You got to take Tom Brady, even if he's 60 years old. I, I feel like right now going forward, you have to take Aaron Rodgers. I thought that was a pretty easy one. Lamar or Joe Burrow? Oh, going with Joe Shiesty. Yeah, give me the swag, Joe Burrow. You guys are very racist. Give me Joe Burrow. <laughs> <laughs> I like Lamar. He's fast. I like watching him run. He is fast, but Joe Burrow's swag goes faster. I'm taking Joe Burrow. Lamar or Justin Herbert? Ooh, this one is tough. Um, <laughs> I'm going Lamar Jackson. Justin Herbert's only sponsor is a Traeger grill. Justin Herbert. I didn't know that before. Justin Herbert. <laughs> Justin Herbert. He knows how to properly slice a brisket. Just FYI. <laughs> I'm, taking, I'm taking Lamar Jackson on that one. I've backed off my Justin Herbert hype recently. Justin Herbert or Joe Shiesty? Joe Shiesty. This is the toughest one you've said so far. Uh Justin Herbert by hair. Man, I, I agree. That one that one's tough. I uh I guess I gotta take Joe Burrow just because he's proved that he can get there. You're right, but it's Justin Sherbert. That's the correct answer. <laughs> I'm going with Joe Burrow. All right, the big one, the everyone the one that everybody's asking. Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes? <laughs> um <laughs> All right, I'll go with Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, the top two guys in the league. It's so, so narrow margin. Patrick Mahomes, I guess. Yeah, I kind of feel the same way. I, I, I guess I'll go Pat, too. I hate them both. Justin Herbert. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. And this, this one also, this is a tough one. Probably the one I struggled with the hardest, my personally coming up with this list, Baker Mayfield or that dead bug underneath your bed? <laughs> Baker Mayfield can eat shit. I don't know. I, that, I just had to find a way to talk shit to him. That one's credit to uh, go ahead to give my boy Ethan Curl a shout out over there. That was his dash on uh, Baker Mayfield. But ladies and gentlemen, that was your one quarterback or the other segment from the Triple F. We apologize. A bit of a shit show. As you can tell, we need to stick to our rhythm. And one of our rhythms is our iconic segment. You all know it, and you know it well. And we finally have our sponsor for this segment. So ladies and gentlemen, we present to you the Bet the Farm segment of the week, sponsored by the Beer Box. Stop by the Beer Box for all your liquor, wine, and beer needs. It's located at 705 South Main Street in Vega, Texas. The Triple F Podcast is the podcast to listen to, but the Beer Box is the place to go for all of your beer, liquor, and wine needs. Eric, I know you have something to give us right before we get kicked off. Okay, so fixing to start our Lock of the Week segment, but before we do, I'd like to throw my challenge flag. What's that? Oh, yeah, red flag on the field. I'd like to throw my challenge flag here. So we were in a group text today, and we were all type, we were all texting each other our records. So I, I have not been great. I am one and two. Brent is two and one. Slade takes it, or Dane takes it in that he is 2.25 and 0. So I would like to throw my challenge flag, and I would like to bring in our rules analyst on an instant replay. So if you would please listen here. I'm going with the team I bet against last week, and I'm taking Kansas plus six and a half with game day there. So what that was is in week two, Dane, Dane takes Kansas. Plus six and a half to cover against TCU. They lose by seven. He then decides to come back and say that he made the bet on Saturday. The line had moved from six and a half to seven. He should get some partial credit. It's not a loss. He gets a partial credit. 
I'd like to bring in our rules analyst, Chad Fangman here. Chad, you saw the replay. Let, let me talk before Chad, because this is a crock of shit. <laughs> Actually, both because, of you can sell me your point. Sell okay, your point. so listen, De- Chad, we're going to have a, a live debate here. So I asked them, I said, how does this fall? And they said, they didn't really say anything. And I said, how about I get 0.25? Because in the no. pick, if you if you push, then you get 0.5. And I said, well, I locked it in at this. And then I actually bet at this. They didn't say anything. And they didn't say anything that week that I talked about it. But now that they realize that I'm undefeated, that's when they want to bring the shit up, is whenever they realize that I'm way over them on it. Okay, so I guess my rebuttal to that is we wanted to give Dane a chance to come clean on his conscience, right? He knows deep down he lost that bet. But he is so competitive, which I love. I love the fiery spirit. He would not take the L that he deserves. I'd like to just play this one more time for the audience and for our rules analyst real quick, and then and then I'd like to hear a decision. I'm taking Kansas plus six and a half with game day there. Okay, so I've heard both sides, both both good arguments. Dane, have you ever been to Las Vegas where gambling is legal? Uh, I have, but I, ma- I mainly stayed in my room and read the Bible. Okay, that's that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever cashed a winning ticket at the bookies counter? I have, and uh, I cashed it on what I actually bet on that ticket, and I got paid based off of that ticket. Okay. So to me, when you said that on the podcast, you were locking in that ticket. If you took that plus six and a half ticket to the counter and it was seven, do you think they would pay you? But the thing is, I didn't technically bet <laughs> with with a person that we will not name. I did not bet with that person at that time. And all I got to say is these dudes right here, they're sitting here shaking their heads. They didn't say shit about it until they realized that I have a better record than everybody else. You know what? Call it a loss if you want. I still am tied for the best record, whatever. <laughs> I think oh. if rolling is we take the .25 away, if Dane is that good of a gambler as he's saying, there's plenty of season for him to make up and beat all of us. Okay, now here, here's the next thing. Do you give me a loss based off of that, based off all this controversy, since they didn't call me out on the loss? Yeah. Say, do you say I'm 2-1 and one, or do you just say I'm 2-0-1? Oh I believe You're two and one. one. This is a problem that should have been solved two weeks ago. I agree. Thank you, Chad. Two zero oh, and one now. I think that's what does it mean? You're losing brain cells. <laughs> I'm losing brain cells, and you know what? Dane is losing a damn win because he's two and one now. Eat shit, Dane. You're two and one. Anyway, <laughs> like you said, it's the beer box bet the farm segment of the week, baby. Brit. I know you got something good for us. Our man Brent is two and one. Eric is one and two. Dane is now two and one. Chad, our guy, is starting off for the first week with us. We're so excited to have Chad with us. So with that being said, those are your records. This is the Bet the Farm segment of the week. Brent, take it away. Thank you, Slade. Uh, so my my lock of the week is Chiefs uh, minus three. They're not going to have a problem with the 49ers this week. Um you know, they just lost last week. You really think they're going to go out there and, and lay an egg? That's not the case. What I want to point out is how beat up the 49ers are. They are they have 19 players on their roster that are injured right now. And not just, you know, the, the, the third and second string players. It's their starting tackles, their starting corners, their three defensive starting linemen, their starting safety, running back, quarterback, linebacker. They're all beat up. Give me the Chiefs minus three all day. That's my lock of the week. Uh, that's a good bet. That's a spicy bet because the 49ers defense, that all those stats that Dane gave last week, that's interesting. But I like the Chiefs with the bounce back. That's a good bet. Um, so mine is in the NFL, it's a pendulum swinging. And when things are going really good, it seems like you come back to earth. And when things are going really bad, it seems like you kind of get that surprise win. So Everybody is selling the Packers. Everybody is off of them. Everybody's dogging on Aaron Rodgers. He's calling out the coach. The coach is calling out him. So I'm taking the Packers minus five and a half versus the Washington Commanders. Carson Wentz just had surgery on his finger. He they're starting Taylor Heineke. If he gets if anything goes wrong there, they're bringing in the Sam Howell. They're the the North Carolina rookie. So. 
I think this is a bounce back league. It's a get right week for the Packers. I just I don't like Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, but I can't sit here and say that they're done and they're out of this deal. I, I think they get right at some point. I think this is kind of their revenge week after two embarrassing losses to the New York guys. So Packers minus five and a half. I really like that bet. I actually did not know that about Carson Wentz, and that makes a big difference. You better hope that Sam Howell doesn't play because when a rookie comes in mid-game, they always tear it up. So best-case scenario for you, Taylor Heineken plays the whole time. But before I get in my bet the farm, i got to make another point. Brent bet one of the games that we're about to pick here in a little bit, which I was also going to last week, but when Slade told us we were going to bet it, I switched. Turns out I hit both, so I should be about 100 no. But that's besides the point, boys. The point is, everybody needs to ride on this freaking wave that I'm on right now. I got paid for the first time this Monday in 323 days. I am freaking lights out right now. So everybody needs to hop on and pick America's team right now. And I ain't talking about the Cowboys. Cowboys and America's team right now. It's the Falcons. They're 6-0 against the spread. There's a wise man that once said, good teams win. Great teams cover. Pick the Falcons, hammer down, lock it in. So, yeah, it's a pretty easy week for locks of the week. I mean, Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes both off of a loss. Just pick the Bucks for the Chiefs. But to go a little deeper, I'm going to take the Lions plus seven. I still have memories of Matthew Stafford beating the Cowboys years ago. Seven is a lot of points. Just take the points and roll with it. Yeah, I think uh, one thing to also mention is if you have a lack of faith in us, maybe you think that we don't know what we're talking about. Let me go ahead and throw this out. For all you haters, for all you doubters, the Triple F crew was 3-0 and last week in the Bet the Farm segment of the week. We're Give it up for the Triple F freaking Bet the Farm segment of the week. Go ahead and Bet the farm on us again this week. If you bet the farm last week, you're up. You're big. Now bet the farm. Double down again. We got your back. We promise. And one thing that I got my back on you guys listening is I got the best games to watch of the week. Now, I don't necessarily go into the betting side because I'm not a betting set. I'm not like these guys. You know, like like Chad said, if it were legal, maybe I would bet. But I don't because I don't have the money. But I have the best games to watch. And we don't have, unfortunately, as good of a segment coming up this week with the games to watch of the week. But we do have two really solid games that you would be sorry to miss if you let it pass you. We have UT at OSU. We have UT favored by six in that game. And then we also have the Chiefs at the 49ers. We have Kansas City favored by three. I think both of those games are going to be super entertaining games UT, you have going in. They're riding hot. Everybody's on top of them. But OSU, maybe they come back pissed off after that real close loss to TCU. Are they the team that everybody thought they were before this week? Or did we just burst their bubble? Britt, who are you taking? UT minus six, UT at OSU. Who are you taking, Britt? This is a tough one. I could see it going either way. But I'm saying that OSU covers. I'm saying OSU covers. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, I watched Texas play last week, Iowa State. They looked horrible. You don't know what you're getting with Texas. I mean, they are up and they're down. They look like the best team, look like the worst team. Uh, it's at OSU. I think last week they kind of got caught in the look ahead. They were up big, and I think they just started coasting, looking ahead to this week. I will take OSU to cover. I think Eric said it best with OU or uh, UT playing like so, so up and down and and I think that they played bad last week, and I think they do play good this week. But uh, Oklahoma State being after a loss, I'll take them to cover plus six. But something to something to just throw out there, over-under is only 62. I think this game goes big. Yeah, those are all good points. I think Spencer Sanders has been the quarterback of OSU for too long. I think this is where Sark has a statement game for the program. And give me Texas. I like the takes. I like the takes. Chiefs at 49ers. Brent, who are you taking? Kansas City favored by three. So I'm going big with the Chiefs as it uh, it was my lock of the week. Chiefs Chiefs big. Yeah, Chiefs coming off a loss. You, you just don't really see Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. You don't really see him losing twice in a row. But 
I'll go 49ers. Spice it up a bit. I'll take 49ers defense to cover. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's one of those I can go either way. I, th- I do think that it will be low scoring. But, uh, I mean, I just don't think that uh, Patrick Mahomes is capable of, of not covering the spread two weeks in a row. Give me the Chiefs. Yeah, give me the Chiefs too. They're going to they're gonna light it up. I'm going to play the devil's advocate. I think that the 49ers are a tough team. I think they're a good run team. And who do the Chiefs st- struggle more against? The run teams. If the, if the 49ers get out and they start rolling, they start running, I like the 49ers to cover here. I like them to possibly even win. Uh, we've seen some humility from the Chiefs in the past, uh, and they always come back better and never late in the season. So I think we're going to see some more humility from the Chiefs middle of the season. But I still would hasten to say that the Chiefs aren't going to win this game. But if I'm playing devil's advocate, I definitely see how the 49ers come out and cover, possibly win this game. Ladies and gentlemen, that was your Bet the Farm segment of the week, your games of the week. Don't forget to trust us. Like I said, we're 3-0. We're them. We're Himothy. We're all those guys. And speaking of Himothy, the man himself, Britt Rohrbeck, he gives us bangers every week, and he's 3-0. He hadn't missed one yet. Britt, tell us what your banger of the week is. All right. So uh, thank you all for listening again this week. Um, it's been a fun episode. We just, uh, thank you for listening again. Go follow us on, uh, all social media platforms. Our handle is at triple F podcasting. Um, and also go take a listen to, uh, that interview with head coach, uh, Jason Porton from the Vega Longhorns. Our banger of the week this week is going to be real world by matchbox 20. Go give it a listen. Uh, go follow that, that playlist on Spotify and, uh, Hope you all have a great week. May all your uh, your parlays hit and and your fantasy football teams win. We'll we'll see you next week. Well, I wonder what it's like to be the rainmaker. I wonder what it's like to know that I made the rain. I store it in boxes with little yellow tags on everyone. And you can come and see that wild. I wonder what it's like to be a superhero. Yeah, we're, we're done. I wonder where I go if I fly around downtown. From some other planet, I get this funky high on the yellow sun. Boy, I bet my friends will all be stunned. They're stunned. I wonder what it's like to be the head honcho. I wonder what I'd do if they all did just what I said. Well, I'd shout out an order. I think we're right off this man. Get me some. Boy, don't make me want to change my Please don't change, please don't break.
Just stop asking me. I was the real. 